Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast, back here for 2019 season. Pumped to be back, guys. Um, first episode for the year, so of course for this one we had to get Billy on board to uh, bring in the new year of 2019 Supercoach season. Billy, how's it going, mate? You're all ready for a, a big season? Oh, I hope so, mate. kind of feels like uh, one long one rolled into one, haven't really stopped but I had a couple of days break. It's kind of sad, but ready to rock and roll, mate. Looking forward to some uh, footy at the end of summer. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm, um, I've uh, probably, once December hit, I started to get really, really itchy. Um, I started putting a lot of hours for it and doing probably a little bit of over-planning and stuff, but it's a pretty exciting season, I think, that we've got for 2019. There's quite a few changes um, and obviously a a tumultuous off-season, to say the least, so I'm pretty happy to, to get the footy started so we don't have to watch any uh, big puppy videos. Yeah, mate, steer clear of those. <laughs> so, uh, so, guys, what we're going to do um, for the pre-season podcast is similar to last year. Uh, we're going to go through and preview some different teams, um, and each one we're going to try and get through three to four of them, um, and we'll go through each team with the ins and outs and also um, some... Uh, players that you probably should watch out for who might be relevant and uh, discuss them. We'll have some guests on along the way and everything. Um, but to kick off, we're actually going to talk about the Parramatta Eagles since uh, Billy's a mad Eels supporter. Um, I think it's only fair that we start off the podcast here talking about the Eels. Um, they've got an interesting season ahead potentially, Billy. Um, I'll go through the ins and outs, but just quickly, you you feeling more or less confident this year going into the season? Uh, probably less, mate. Um, you've obviously lost uh, Norman. Guff might get a bit more ball back. Brown hopefully has a, a, health, a healthy year. I'm excited about a couple of the the, uh, the, the boys coming back and a couple of new, newbies which we'll talk about. But um, yeah, let's just get them out of the way first before it all goes downhill. <laughs> well, looking through the games, um, Dylan Brown's come on board and he's a pretty big one. Um, Blake Ferguson's probably the star signing of the year coming across from my Roosters. Sean Lane and uh, Junior Paula, another couple of big ones. Uh, Micah Sivo um, is a semi-rodrider clone, apparently. He's come across from the Panthers, so a good young signing. As far as the losses, um, you had one big one in Corey Norman, but aside from that, Bo Scott uh, retired, but he was past it. And realistically, the other guys, um, Cameron King wasn't giving much and um, Kenny Edwards, he was good comedy value, but his football value wasn't really quite there, so he probably suits the Super League perfectly. Um, so that's pretty much a, the ins and outs of the Parramatta Eels for 2019. So not a huge amount of change, and to be honest, they probably brought more players in of quality than what they lost in quality. Um, so they kind of should be better, but in saying that, Corey Norman being a half is quite instrumental in what they do, so him going is going to be an interesting impact. Um, but the first guy to talk about, um, Billy, uh, we're going to go through guns first for the Parramatta Eels. It, it probably says a lot about the Parramatta side when under guns I've only got one name. Um, some of the other teams, I've got three, four, five names under guns and I've had to try and cut them down. 
Uh, under Parramatta, the only one I've got is Nathan Brown. Um, so Brownie is one of my faves. Um, he's had a, definitely an interrupted year last year. So last year he only played 15 matches um, and they came in three different stints as well in between his different injuries. Um, average minutes per game was 68 per game, which was only a minute up from the 67 per game he had in 2017. His PPM went down a little though. So 2018 average of 60, 62 points per game. His 2017 average of 65 points per game and probably more in line with what we were expecting from him. Uh, Coming into this year, he's had a, I guess, an interrupted pre-season with some injuries and stuff, but he is only priced at about 580000 and he probably can get back up to that 65 points per game, provided he's healthy. How are you seeing Nathan Brown for the 2019 season, Billy? Is he in your side, or you've left him out? No, he was last year, but um, not this year, mate. Um... Just uh, just support some of the numbers that you got there, then I'll kind of justify my decision. Um, yeah, you're pretty much right. Like he, um, he averaged around, um, but average around that's so the 60s kind of mark. Um, but he had he had the tendency to play a few games bef- um, under, under under 60 minutes. And when he when he does that, brings that average right back down. I think of those 15 games you talked about, um, there are 11 of those 15 games were over 60 minutes um, for an average of 65, but he, he doesn't really have much um, clutch in there. Um, he used to get a couple of inside-outside balls away. He's obviously got that um, coming back from injury concern, but um, I think the uh, the big one for me is that even though he's got a decent 55 type of base, um, having Junior Paulo come back um, uh, as well as uh, Lane um, come back, Lane can probably spell in a bit more and rotate through the middle and maybe bring Mauro on. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Mo, um, Lane would probably be playing right edge, so I'm concerned about that rotation and him having some of those sub-60 minute games. And the fact that, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it is a little bit decimated and they're probably spoon contenders. I just want to sort of steer clear from him. The only thing that I will say is that um, um, I think... Um, uh, Brown as well as Mao are on the deal at the moment and um, what's his name uh, Lane's been training on the left edge apparently so who knows what's going to happen with, with that rotation but yeah he's got a massive lack of uh, clutch attacks uh, uh, clutch attack only had um, only had the one uh, the one try last year which I think kind of says it all um, so he's got plenty of upside but, but my opinion is that he'll pretty much give you what you want um, price wise like he's priced at at, um, at his average um, plays the first pie, probably a decent pod, but I haven't really seen much team um, to uh, to warrant a purchase, mate. Unless you want to bring him in and then make him a, an update, update to Crichton sooner or later, later. But yeah, probably a lay for now. Yeah, that's all fair, um, and I can't disagree with any of that. Um, I've actually got him in my team at the moment, um, so I guess it is a little bit of a, a devil's advocate that I'll throw at you. But um, I don't think we're too too far off on our opinions on Brown anyway. But one of the things that I do like about Brown um, and why I had him in my side initially and still do in my second row is when he is playing and he's not injured, he's extremely consistent. Um, so even if you look at the last five rounds that he played of last year as an example, he only scored under 60 points once and it was a 59. So he's hit a 59, 70, 69, 61, 72. And that's his last five games of the season. Uh, when he actually came back and he was healthy. So it's a remarkable consistency. And even if you go back to the year prior in his 2017 season numbers, um, he was actually even better um, as far as how he could rattle off points. You know, it's like 
it, it reads like a charm. You know, you've got like 79, 71, 62, 61, 91, 62, 71. It, his consistency is amazing when he's healthy. So I'm putting him in my team at the moment based on him being healthy. If he's healthy, um, I think that I am going to get 65 points a game off him. Um, and that's why. Um, but, you know, there's some players where you can get 65 points a game that are going to be more reliable than another guy getting 65 points. Um, so, for instance, you know, Brown, you mentioned, doesn't have a lot of clutch attack. So what that means is his, his 65 points is much more reliable to me than um, somebody who relies on a lot of attack, like a, a Fitzgibbon from Newcastle, for example. They might give you 65 points, but you might go through two weeks of 40s and then he hits a ton to get that 65 average. Whereas with Brown, I really like knowing every week that I'm going to have um, 60-something points like clockwork. Um, and I think that's really, really valuable. Probably the other thing with him as well is, even though his clutch attack is lacking, I, I really like his base attack, um, how he can offload, which he sort of put away a little bit last year, but I think that was more because of injury, um, is really great. And his work rate and his offloading ability you know, is what gets him that, that consistent 60s. So... Am I selling you at all, Billy, in his consistency, or are you still not, not interested? No, not interested. reason is because, yeah, he is consistent, but he's consistently going to give you what you paid for. There's no, you're not getting more than what you paid for. That's the only way to win Supercoats, in my opinion. So I don't want to pay a 61, a 61 average and get a 65. I'd just rather pay someone like a Tolwood at 50 and get a 60 average and use that saving to upgrade elsewhere. That's just my, my, um, my line of sight, mate. Yep. No, that's fair enough. Um, and I actually got into an interesting uh, strategy debate with someone the other day about, about this very thing. Um, and I think I said to them, you can't, you can't only be buying guys that are underpriced to make money on them. Um, you have to also be getting as many points as you can and you need to balance it out. So I, I, I agree with you. If, um, if I had, uh, you know, six or seven guys price at, at their average, um, you know, someone like Nathan Brown, I, I probably couldn't put in because he doesn't really have the upside, but I always like to have the foundation of a few players. You know, you need a few guys that maybe you're going to pay for, but you're paying for them for a reason because they're a bit of a gun, like the Teddy's Turbos, whatever. So um, I don't mind doing it for Brown as a bit of an anchor because I'm going to take some risks and some upside elsewhere. Um, but... I think that we both agree that he's a pretty fair call to have, um, but there's also some other options, so it's a fair call to leave him out. Um, I reckon he's going to be in for a good year, provided he's healthy, though. Really like him, like the fact that he plays the first buy. That's another big plus for me. So that's that's all the Parramatta Hills guns, Billy. That didn't take very long to get through them. Um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go up to our next tier, and this one, um, I've got our step-up smoky tier. So... Um, maybe some Smokies that might step up. Um, and under this one, we've got uh, young Lane that's come over from Manly. So Lane had a, um, a really good year at Manly. He, he made me a lot of money, and I think me and you both spoke about him on the pod as a really good buy, and um, he was one of our good calls for last year um, in how well he did. He, he did 54 minutes a game last year for a 54 average, so bang on uh, a 1 ppm. Um, like you mentioned, he's training on the edge at the moment for the Parramatta Eels. He's, his PPM um, has fluctuated quite a bit, but basically between 0.8 and 1 is where he's at. So coming into the Eels, um, he's priced at 508000 The biggest thing about him is he is a dual, so he can play in second row forward or front row forward. 
So I dare say a lot of people are looking at him as a, as a front row forward um, pod option. Um, I think that you've got him in your side, Billy, and you're, you're obviously a fan of him coming over to the Eels. Uh, not yet, but looking hard. Um, just waiting for that, um, those trials to start and see how he goes. Um, and, and basically where he starts and where his minutes are. But just to fly on from my notes, um, so to follow on from what you said, yeah, 54 average in 54 minutes. But um, games where he started on the edge last year, he got a 64 average off 67 minutes. Um, so that was 12 out of 16 games from around 9 to 25. So it does pick up. Um, the first four games stayed there. He was only getting sort of uh, 57 minutes or so throughout the year. So um, he then went to lock for one game. Coach put him back at a 12, but that's when he started killing it. Um, so from then on, he averaged 72 from 71 minutes in his last ga- eight games. So the bloke really has some um, some uh, upside there, if he can repeat that. Um, but for full transparency, there were five tries in that 72 average, to be fair. But, you know, God, when guys score that high, they're, they're going to be putting some clutch attack in there. So the question, I think, is uh, does he does he get that at the Eels, like those minutes in that clutch? It's probably hard to say with um, Morrow lying around and not knowing uh, why the coach bought him. I mean, did he bring him to come off the bench and be that middle forward rotation, or did he bring him in to that hard-running person on the right edge that we've been, that we've been sort of lacking for, for a few years. Um, I think I personally think he's going to do that rotation through the middle with Brown and, and get Mara off the Mara off the bench. Um, but like I said before, the word is that Lane's been training on, on the left edge at the moment, so it's a good sign that he's going to start on the edge, but it's um, probably come down... Me, me buying him will probably come down to... Um, a decision between you know, him and Tolman or Serge or, or something like that. And I think he's going to get 60 minutes. Um, look, he's in that hard-to-pick zone, but I think he has serious potential upside if that clutch attack is there. The only thing is you know, he plays for the Eels, so it's either him, Tolman, Serge, or you know, someone that might pop up in that 350k range if one of those Raiders ends up getting a start. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's a big thing that I was scared about. To be honest, like I, I've always liked Sean Lane as a player. Um, I really liked him, but um, to go outside of the stats for a minute, he's also a guy that's always been perennially lazy. Um, he's bounced up and down from different clubs, even though he came onto the Bulldogs scene as a teenager that looked phenomenal. Um, he fell out of favour very quickly, and he's just been so up and down through any jump career. He's just been paid to go to the Parramatta Eels, and I don't want to I don't want to put too much on your side, Billy, but. Um, if they go badly, I don't think that he's the type of guy who's going to be a step up his performance to try and inspire them. Um, I think he's the sort yeah. of guy that will actually go down the good one very easily with everyone else. So um, that that really concerns me. And to be honest, even though I'm a big fan of, of Sean Lane, he scares me way too much to go near him. I know he's been a popular sort of pod front row forward buy for a lot of guys, but... Um, even just looking at that variance, you know, like he didn't have a great 2017 season. His PPM was 20% down from 2018. Now, if he were to do that again, you're going to be paying overs for a guy who's basically a solid plotter, who's going to be sort of a, a 50, 52 point type of guy. And for over 500 grand, I, I just can't do that to myself round one. I think it might be a bit of a headache. Um, and Lastly, for me, I 100% agree with the point that you made on the attack. He he is a guy who doesn't have, as a forward, the most phenomenal base sets in the world. Um, he does rely on a bit of um, attack, offloads, line breaks, the odd line break assists, and also the tries. He does a bit of all of that. 
and we saw it all on display in Manly. And he did some great stuff off guys like um, DCE and even the occasional turbo pass. He doesn't have those guys at the Eels. Um, so if I were to look at the worst case scenario, I'd say, look, he's not going to score many tries. He's not going to hit much attack. He's not going to be in a side that's winning many football games. What are we left with? Um, and unfortunately, it looks like to me that if that's the worst case scenario, it's going to look like 50-odd points a game for over a 500000 investment in round one. I just can't bring myself to do that. Yeah, mate, fair enough. The only thing I will say, finish off so we can move on, is that um, I don't think he left Manly to come over to the Eels and start off the bench. I reckon he's probably been promised uh, some decent minutes. So let's have a look at the trials and see how many he gets and determine whether a 60 to 80 minute edge row, edge back row is um, available in the front row is worth putting up 500k for. That's all I've got to say there. Yeah, if he gets 80 minutes, then um, I'll completely change my tune because 80 minutes is fine um, for a front row forward for him. But it's just a matter of if he gets less or not. If he's getting less than 60, it's not going to be worth it. So moving along, um, quick quick rookie chat. Um, and it's more of a point out. Um, it looks like Dylan Brown is the main rookie that's going to be starting in the 17 for the Parramatta Eels for this year. Um, he'll be starting in the halves. Um, it was basically him versus Salmon. And apparently Dylan Brown's won that positional battle and he'll be playing um, in the halves. So he's a bottom price rookie. Um, he's pretty close to a, a must-have. Have you seen much of, of Dylan Brown, Billy, to rate him? Or are you just putting him in because he's a rookie and you think he's pretty much a must-have in the halves? Um, I don't have him at the moment. I'm, the way I'm, I really like some particular players at half and fullback and I can't fit him in. So what I'm... What I'm hoping is that there's going to be a fair chunk of uh, base price centre three quarters available. And if I really, really have to and he goes well, then I just downgrade one of my non-performing halves um, to him if he, if he kills it. But, mate, a half playing for the Eels, I can't see him scoring more than 30, 35 points. So I'll be happy to miss that one and just watch him. Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one, isn't it? Because normally you'd be all over those uh, rookie price guys. But um, I think Salmon last year only averaged 30-odd points coming in as a rookie. Um, and he didn't do too much there either. So Dylan Brown's got a lot of wraps on him, um, more than what Salmon does. But um, it's a bit of a shame that Salmon didn't win it because he was a centre wing jewel. So you could have chucked him in centre wing, whereas Brown, you're going to have to take up a valuable half spot. So probably a bit hard if you've got a uh, Warriors rookie half and you want to stack the halves. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a pretty good purchase. But I think that you could uh, risk it and probably leave him out, like Billy said. Um, so we'll move along because there's not too many rookies to talk about for Para. Uh, big balls pod for Parramatta. I've got one of your prior love childs in uh, Clint Gutherson, mate. <laughs> there's a few Billy love childs running around, but um, none more famous than Clint Gutherson. He's um, coming in at 440k. The good thing about him is he's probably going to be playing fullback, and you can put him in your centre wing. He had a pretty dramatic fall from grace last year, as did most of the Eels. Average score of 47 a game, um, coming off a 2017 of 67 points a game, which is what made him so popular. And the year before, even he was 50 points a game. So it was his lowest scoring year in three seasons. Um, He's probably not going to have the goal kicking because Mitchell Moses will have it. If he had the goal kicking, um, I would be thinking heavily about having him in my centre wing even without the attack, but... Even though he's fullback, without that goal kicking, playing for the Eels, um, I don't think I could do it myself. But can you see it maybe working out for a, a risk taker? 
Yeah, I can see it maybe working out. Um, only if he's kicking goals, like you said, even though he's horrid and probably misses half of them, it's still six points a game you'll possibly get um, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> even the worst teams in the comp score tries. Um, he's at, I think Norman leaving the club um, takes a, a little bit back to that um, 2017 year. Um, uh, halves are probably looking to him a little bit more out the back, so maybe he gets more opportunity rather than him, Norman, and Moses probably fighting it out for a bit of the ball. Maybe that's one of the reasons why his average was down a little bit, apart from moving around to centre and centre and six and full back and not really sort of establishing himself, um, um, as well as coming back from that injury. I mean, it was a horrific injury, so everyone needs to get a bit of confidence. So that's probably why he only averaged um, 40 in his sort of first six games back after injury. But like you said, um, he went, then went to six and came back to four back and he kind of averaged 58 from there with only two try assists. He was kicking in the first three games, but like you said it before, it doesn't really matter much because he missed half of them. So it didn't really help um, him at all. <laughs> yeah, look, mate, honestly, my opinion here, um, if you're struggling and kind of need a mid, uh, mid-price player at your seven three quarter, look, he's an option. But um, I think unless the yields really show some trial form, um, it's going to be around 10 points per game unders. That's at maybe a, maybe he's a short-term fill and a quick up, upgrade to, to a lateral type buy. Um, yeah, that's all I can say, mate. He's probably one of a, a stepping stone this year, not a not an underpriced keeper. Yeah, and one of the things I didn't like about last year is even though that he had quite a bad injury um, that he came back from, he couldn't put together more than two games that were decent scoring games. He would always have a twenty six or you know forty one or something in him after putting together one or two games. He just he could not put it together, and that's probably going to be the story of the all season. I think a lot of their attacking players are going to sort of look like that when you're looking down their points. Not something yeah. that you really want in your team. Yeah. Even in that um, year where we're all wanting for the um, the, the point scoring mate, um, he didn't. He's not a turbo. He's not going to give you like a hundred and thirty, hundred and forty point game. So even if he does take off, you're not missing much. So he, he's he's a he's a mid price fill if you, if you want, but if not, it's not going to kill you if you don't own him. So yep, that's it. No, agree. So um, the last guy on my list is under our mistake tier. So this guy's uh, going to come across um, as quite a surprise to a lot of people. Then I'm going to call him a bit of a mistake or an error for the 2019 season. But I was all over Blake Ferguson last year. He was one of the best purchases I made early on in the season. Uh, he really held my season together. And he was phenomenal in real life and in fantasy. He scored 65 points a game for the Roosters, um, and that was far and away his best season. The three years before were 49, 51, and 50. Um, So 65 points a game was heavily, heavily increased on what he's performed previously. He was try scoring. Um, He he had the the best base in the league for center wing options for Supercoach. Amazingly enough, he finished the season either second or third in uh, total metres, um, which was uh, crazy for a winger. Um, when I say that as well, it's crazy for a winger when Blake Ferguson wasn't the type of winger, winger like um, an adult car to run 100 metres to get his metres up or anything. He was doing it through 20 hit-ups a game um, and the occasional 20-metre sprint for a try. So I think Tom Alolo was number one, uh, or, or Roger Tuovaz-Shek. Those guys were fighting it out for metres. But Blake Ferguson was third. Um, so he had a great year. I actually expect him to go back to his, basically his 50-point numbers. 
um, and it's 611,000. Um, I think people are... We talk about chasing last week's points. I think people are t- chasing last year's points if they're bringing in Blake Ferguson this year. Yeah, I'm not chasing last year's points, mate. Um, I think if you, if you go back to the, our first podcast last year, you asked me if there's one player that I think will be a breakout in the Chooks. I said Ferguson, although uh, I wasn't I wasn't brave enough to uh, pick him. I, uh, I ended up getting Rapana instead, which was an awesome move. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, go- I'm going the opposite this year, mate. It's, there's no... The only reason you would pick him is if you know he was going doing a positional change and going to uh, to a better half like 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 Kronk. He's doing the reverse this year, so it's a no-brainer. I think everyone everyone's doing clear in Ferguson. Mate. Yeah, there's a few people that aren't, um, but I'm going to say stay away to those guys because yep, it's it's definitely a mistake to me. I think you're going to be very disappointed. And to finish off on the um, Blake Ferguson saga, there is some rumours around as well that he's. Um, not been the best off the field and stuff um, and going to the Eels you know I, yeah, mentally I, I think it's a completely different side of environment to a premiership winning rooster side with a lot of form halves and playmakers and stuff so yeah lot to not like about Blake Ferguson for this year don't go near him um, so Billy that's all the Eels wrapped up pretty much of significance was there any other significant Eels that you wanted to throw out there to chat about before we move on? Yeah, not a significant eel, but just a significant stat. Um, this is just one to watch. Um, so Manu Mao, um, his season average from 2015 to 18, he was 54, 58, 62, 63. Um, but remember last year, probably what not many noticed is that when Brown was injured uh, between around the 6 and 12, he actually rotated through the middle a bit. He scored three tries in those games and his average lifted to 72 so if um, Mal, if um, Brownie is injured or doesn't come back well enough, and for some reason um, Manu Mal ends up rotating through the middle in, instead of uh, Lane, um, yeah, get ready to pot up because he, his his average should lift lift a bit at least to sort of sixty five. So it might be a good uh, good watch coming into the buys. Yeah, that's a good watch for sure. He's been a um, a buy planner special um, in, in prior years when the Eels have played the first buys. So yep. good one. Um, so let's move on to uh, another Western team, the West Tigers. Um, they've got a couple of buys that are really from last year in um, ins for Robbie Farrow and Embi who came across mid-season. Other than that, uh, they made a really good purchase from the Roosters in Ryan Madison um, and also another good purchase that was a bit under the radar in Paul uh, Momorowski, who is a goal kicker, debuted for the Roosters last year as an outside back. He's a pretty good player. Um, I don't know if he's going to crack the side, but he's one to watch. Losses-wise, um, the Tigers didn't lose anyone of real significance. Probably the biggest one was um, Tui Lola here, who's the starting fullback for a while and goal-kicking for a bit. Um, he's gone across to the Leeds Rhinos. Um, probably won't see him in the NRL again. He's probably done. And MWZ, who started half the year on the wing for the Tigers, um, has gone back over to the Penrith Panthers. So aside from that, though, um, pretty similar side, Madison being the big exception. Uh, I don't see the Tigers doing too well this year, even though they've got the coaching change. Um, I don't particularly like their side um, that they're planning to trot out there, it looks like. Um, what do you what do you make of them, Billy, before I get into some players? Um, well, they lost their best player, Cleary, so I'm not sure how they're going to go, but they do tend to start well. 
Yeah, they defended well last year, so it'll be interesting whether they do that. Um, much like the Eels, I've got one guy under their gun list to talk about, and that is Esan Masters, who I jumped on last year right when he went on his real shit run, which was really unfortunate. Uh, I think a lot of people that were smart, or that think they're smart like we do, um, were giving the advice to jump on a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different articles, and right at that point, he went for a four or five week bender of shit scores. Um, so it wasn't good, but he did have a breakout year. He scored 61 points a game as a centre wing, one of only three or four guys to do that in the 60s from the centre wing position. Um, the year before, he was 53 points a game in 2017. So he went up pretty significantly. Um, part of that is because he had the goal kicking. Um, priced at just under 570000 He's going to have the goal kicking again for the full season, uh, which will be nice. Um, he's also a guy who had some great clutch attack moments where you, you could see like six or seven offloads in a game once or twice happen, um, all these tackle breaks. Um, the tackle break and offload points were the main reason that I went after him. He doesn't score a lot of tries, but offloads and tackle breaks from a centre like he has were amazing to have. Um, I did look at him, Billy, um, but decided that 570k was a bit rich to really pay for a centre wing um, in a side that I don't think will go too well. How, how do you sort of see Masters' season going? Um, I concur. Uh, exactly the same, mate. The, um, the bloke average 61, like you said. Um, but just going into the stats a bit more, just to show some patterns rather than just punch out numbers to everyone. Um I actually, just to get a better idea, I had a look at his five-round rolling average throughout the, high, the whole season, and his five-round rolling average was never higher than 70. It would always drop off um, once he hit that 70 mark. Um, it, it always used to peak around the high 60s and then drop right, right back with a rubbish score. Um, it was only actually seven out of those 24 games he, he scored above 70 either, but there were no massive tons. He scored, um, his highest scores were 103, 101, 91, 89, 73. So that kind of tells me that look, he'll never ever, ever be a BC option based off those stats. And in my opinion, he'll never be a captain option. So there's no point buying, buying him for a potential upside. Um, he's not high flop, so he won't give, he won't give you uh, that leg up that you need within um, the first five rounds because that, that five round rolling average means he'll always get caught up by someone else. So the only reason really to buy him is if you basically just want to save a, tr- a trade or if you just really like that draw sort of Manly Warriors dogs. Um, it is a good start, those, those three teams, but um, all games are at home until round four and the Tigers usually start kind of well. So um, like you said, look, he's, he's not the worst decision and he kicks goals at the cemetery quarter. And um, I did an article for a small group of people the other day that shows that cemetery quarters kicking goals usually... Uh, equate for about 50, 50% of a top top averaging centre three quarters by the end of the season. So the only reason to buy him now is if you think um, you're just going to sit and forget, otherwise forget him. Yeah, agree. Um, they One of the things that we didn't mention with the Eels, because it doesn't really matter, but I'll mention with the Tigers, because it might matter a little bit more, is that their draw is um, is quite good. The three first three games are at home. Manly Warriors and Dogs are three sides that I think will be out of the top eight and are going to struggle. Um, the next two against Penrith and Broncos are pretty tough. But then they go to Parramatta to play them, and then they play the Titans at home. 
So you could argue that the first seven rounds of the West Tigers draw uh, are up there with the best that any team has really for super coach purposes. Um, so particularly that round six and seven, Parramatta Gold Coast double, that could be phenomenal for Masters, but that's the glass half full, the glass half empty is. Um, I just don't want to spend 570k on him looking at the spine and, and what that side projects to be. Um, I just think it's going to be a bit too tough. Yeah, agree, mate. I'd probably better off just getting someone like Capewell. Two yeah. OK cheaper, same output maybe, same output almost. Well, um, to to sort of do a bit of a comparison because he is a premium, he is a premium centre wing. You heard that last year, but as a bit of a comparison, um, as a player comparison for price, Latrell Mitchell is almost identical price. And I think if you just in a vacuum said to someone, you can only have one centre wing. Do you think Latrell's going to score better or, or Masters is going to score better? Everybody's going to say Latrell. So if you're spending yeah. that type of money, why aren't you just buying Latrell for? Um, to me, that's yeah. that's the easy purchase out of the two. Um, and uh, one, thing, one thing, just real quickly, uh, I think from memory, uh, I think Roosters played at Eels round three. So if you want Latrell for that higher scoring game um, potential, yeah, you probably want him from round one. If yeah. You want him for that game. Yeah, for sure. And then, like, so Latrell's sort of a like-for-like comparison. If you're looking at a draw-for-draw comparison, the Canberra Raiders have a fantastic draw, and even though he might not go too well, Jared Croke is another goal kicker who will save you $70,000. So, again, you can save seventy grand on, say, Jared Croker going in instead of Masters, use that somewhere else, and still get a goal kicker with a great draw. So... I just see too many other options. Um, unless you're going to stack your centre wing, which is, that's the only reason that I could see you going for an Ursa Masters for round one. So Man, that theory doesn't work, does it? No, not this year. Um, guys, don't stack your centre wing this year. But if we get anything right on this podcast between me, Billy, and all the other guys that come on, I think we're definitely going to nail the fact that stacking your centre wing isn't going to work for this year. Uh, but let's move on to the next one on the Tigers list. Um, bit of a, a step-up, smoky character. Um, I'm going to go for Mahe Fanua for this one. Fanua already did step up last year, but then he had that injury and he didn't quite come back the same. But for that period of time, um, people brought him in as a cash cow. And then all of a sudden he peaked in price and everybody sort of said to each other, I don't know if I can sell this guy. He's just turned into a complete gun. And he just kept producing. He um, ended up with an average score of 52. That didn't really tell the story, though, um, because for a good chunk of period that he came on the scene, he was averaging 60s and was one of the few centre wings that were actually doing it. Um, So his value per dollar was massive. So his 52 points a game isn't particularly fair. Um, He did a lot better than that. Um, He does have that fantastic draw to start with, um, like I mentioned before. I know that you were a big fan of Fanua last year and you were talking him up as a, as a keeper of the future. At 483k, he's basically almost 100 grand cheaper than, than Masters. Could you see him you know, outperforming or, or maybe being a guy that you put in your centre wing for round one? Oh, I'd take him over Masters, uh, put it that way. Let me, um, let me just, sup- I've got a bit of a write up here. Let me, let me just uh, take over for a sec and I'll, I'll supplement those stats that you just gave me. All right, so 2018 average 52, like you said. Um, the first six games before he got injured, the average was 60, but so it's eight points above. Um, the first couple were on the wing for a 65 and a 64, but then he had 71, 62, 42, and 57 at the center. Um, of those six games, the 
averaged 11 points in tackle bus, 23 points in hit-ups. Not bad, um, but that was six games in total. They include the wing ones, all right? So if you now go and just have a look at the four-game sample, just from the just from his games at left centre alone, um, hit-ups went right up. He averaged 35 points a game in goddamn hit-ups, 12 points a game in offloads, always effective. I think he was one for the year. Nine points per game in tackle busts. Um, you can forget his tackles because they're rubbish. They're pretty much single digit, and he missed half of them anyway. He's kind of like Gutherson kicking goals, mate. Um, his line <laughs> breaks and line break assists were pretty much non-existent, as were the tries and try assists almost. So pretty much had nothing there. So, so to summarise all that crap, um, the games at the centre of that small sample of four games, he's going to give you pretty much a fifty base plus base attack, base attack of sorts. Um, and that's already where he's priced at. So um, by the time he came back in round 23, mate, his season was done. It pulled his average down. They had two 66-minute games off the bench and a couple of 80-minute games that rubbish scores. So the summary is he's pretty much priced at the average if you want him. Um, probably not a bad trade saver if you want him now. Um, covers the... Uh, Tigers cover the first buy? I can't remember. Uh, so... The Tigers' draw is good, but they don't actually cover the first buy. They've got the round 12 off. Okay, well, okay, so that's a disadvantage. But the advantage is so uh, Manly, Manly first game, Warriors second game, Dogs third game, all at home. It's a pretty nice start. It's a decent pod to have. Um, if he gets one try, just one try, you're on an 80 score. Is pretty much what the stats are saying. So ask yourself one question in that that starting run of those first three games. Do you think he's going to get two tries? If yes, there's two 80 score games you're in. Yeah, I think he's actually really good value. I, um, I'd really like to have him in the side. Um, I'm just finding it hard to put more than one one gun in the centre wing at the moment, but um, I think he's oh, a no, great option. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to have three in there just to be able to put a Fanua in there because, like you said, he's a, he's a fantastic pod. But you talked about underpriced guys a little bit earlier. He is completely underpriced. Um, he's oh yeah, for sure. There was one game last year where he had twenty eight points in freaking offloads. Oh yeah, he's um his offloads and tackle breaks are phenomenal. Um, he's he's kind of got a little bit of Fergo um, two thousand and eighteen season about him um, because he's got that work rate where he just gets into it like a Ford. And then he's obviously got the finishing ability on the end of the back line when they score tries. So I wouldn't surprise me if he, if he has a season like for what we just saw Fergo and he's a 2019 Ferguson. I don't think so because um, he has that serious lack of ability to get over the line. He's all offloads and uh, offloads and tackle busts and just uh, use, using that right arm to fend off blokes. But he just doesn't really seem to get through much. So it's all base plus base attack. Um, <clears throat> let's just pray, pray, pray he never plays for the bunnies, mate, because then it would have an absolute hemorrhage with every amount of time this guy throws the ball around. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we both agree he's a good option, but he is a, a pod option and one that you might say yeah, is a pretty right. big balls one, so we'll move on from that one um, and go to a real big balls pod. Um, this one's a bit of a different one, and that is Josh Reynolds. So... Hear me, Andy. I, I, I don't think Josh Reynolds is a good Supercoach player by any stretch. Um, he's basically been mud for Supercoach his whole life. 2018, he had 41 points a game, 42 points a game the year before, 52 points in 2016, and 44 in 2015. He's a low 40s Supercoach player. The reason that I pick him out as a bit of a big balls pod is because they do have a good draw, 
and there's rumours that he's going to be starting in the halves. If he's not starting in the halves, don't touch him with a 10-foot pole. But if he's starting in the halves, you have the ability to put him as your second hooker, which is a real tough position for a lot of people to fill in. Um, everyone's probably got their primary hooker, um, who's either going to be Cook or a premium pod hooker. Um, but no one's really got the second hooker locked down and no one really wants to spend too much money on it. 309000 for Josh Reynolds is cheap. Um, he will probably get up to 400000 pretty quickly. All he needs is a bit of attack and he's got the draw to do it. He probably just needs that starting halves jumper to be an option, would you agree? Yeah, mate. That, like you said, that um, 2016 average scored um, 1,250 points and an average of 52. If he's just starting six, mate, yeah, there's 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 um 50 points for a backup hooker for a guy that's just going to make cash and be an easy stepping stone to someone. It's it's a decent plug. Yep, yep. So I think that he could be a um, a pretty good pod if he's starting. Um, aside from that, um, I was just going to mention with the Tigers um, as a mistake, even though I, again all these guys that I'm mentioning is a bit of an error for 2019 to put him aside. They're some of my favourite players. Um, I put Ferguson down before, and now I'm going to say Ryan Madison. Um, even though he's one of my favourite roosters, um, 18 months ago I didn't want him to leave. He um, he had a great season last year where he scored 56 points a game, up from 48 the year before and 41 the year prior. He's going up every year in his performance, um, and he was really, really good for a stretch last year, scoring 60s as a centre wing. That's probably why I'm going to say he's a, he's a big mistake, though. Um, he was valuable last year and a great player to have because he was a forward that was playing in your centre wing. Anytime you can do that, it's going to be a premium option because you know you're going to get someone hitting 50s at a minimum um, and it's going to be a real solid foundation to stabilise your centre wing. Without the centre wing dual ability, um, Madison is a forward who's going to score low to mid 50s in the Tigers pack, probably. Um, he doesn't have much offloading ability. He relies on running off um, good players and good halves to create any attack for him. He's not going to have that at the Tigers like he had at the Roosters. Um, I just I don't see him progressing. I only see regression in what Madison offered compared to 2018 to 19. I agree with you. You want to know why? I want to know why. Give me the numbers. Uh, how many games did the Tigers play last year? How many games did the Tigers play? Yeah, let's just say 20, 25. Yep. Uh, guess how many line breaks their number 12 had the entire season? Three. One. Guess how many tries their right edge had the entire season? Two. One. Get him. <laughs> That's some killer stats there. That should just kill Madison dead. Um, probably the other good thing to compare it to as well is the other guys around the same price bracket that you could buy instead. 520 grand. There is so many different options that are better than, um, than Ryan Madison for that price. Yeah, and just to support that theory, don't say, oh, but Cheekam uh, was rubbish or Rush Hour was rubbish because that was Alloy, Cheekam, Garner, Rush Hour, and Elijah Taylor, four different players. Only one of them scored that right edge in hundreds and hundreds of minutes. So forget him. Yeah, I, I think that he's a little bit better than that. But um, in saying that, what does that mean? He's going to score two tries. Um, you know, it's, yeah, he's, he's, not enough. it's not enough. And... Even with that good draw, you know, I think you need to get lucky. I don't, and it's just a waste of money for that much. 
cash to invest for round one, so don't do it. Um, were there any other Tigers that you wanted to touch on, Billy, before we move along? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Let's, well, let's just go quickly. Um, can you answer one question for me? Um, do, was was Reynolds back up um, nine last year? He he was for a little bit, so he came off the bench as a utility. Um, I think that he played some of that at lock, though. So whilst he was um, back up nine, essentially, he was going on and playing some lock, and that's when he returned from his shoulder injury, um, but then he got hurt again. Okay, um, so where, where I'm going with this... Um... If he ends up starting, who goes on the bench to interchange with Farah? And the reason I'm asking that is because Farah actually played a few 80-minute games last year and averaged 77 with four try assists. Now, I know he's old, but I'm surely I'm, I'm sure, pretty sure that they're trying to blood someone new, but in the odd chance that they don't and they, and they just try to get 80 minutes out of him for, for a while, Farah could be a sneaky option. But I'm pretty sure that they'll go with a rookie and try and save his legs a bit, at which point he's no good, but... Six games last year at 80 minutes for an average of 77. Um, I'd be watching his minutes if uh, Reynolds is playing. Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, the projected sides that are around at the moment have have Josh Reynolds in the number 14 jumper. They have him as a utility. Yep. But again, he could go on and play minutes at lock. Um, the other thing that's being tossed around in some teams is, like I said, he could be playing in the number six jumper. If he's playing in the number six jumper... It'll be because they want to put um, either Benji Marshall on the bench or Benji Marshall in the centres was the other thing. But I think that was more of a fa- you know fantastical rumour than any merit to Benji being in the centres. But if Benji was in the centres, um, I would think that what they would do is just move around their guys so they wouldn't even have a utility on the bench because they could move Benji Marshall from centre to the halves and then push like Reynolds into hooker if they had an injury sort of thing. And Michael Cheekham um, has been in the centres plenty of times and will be on the bench. So so is Madison as well. So I think they've got a couple of versatile forwards there. They wouldn't even need to put another utility on there. Um, so definitely a watch, Billy, like you said. See what the rotations are in the um, in the trials and you can sort of make some decisions from there for round one. Mate, they could put uh, six playmakers around Madison and he still won't score. No, he's you know it's funny because he used to have the ability um, to attack a lot more, but I think at the Roosters he um, he got a lot more conservative and he got turned into a Ford. He used to be a half, so yeah. Let's just uh, move on from the Tigers because they're not the most exciting team to talk about. Um, I I had that two beers just to get through that team. <laughs> well, thankfully we're going on to a better team, Billy, the Penrith Panthers. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of good quality players in the Panthers outfit for um, 2019. Gains-wise, um, they only got some depth, really. Um, Tyrrell Fumano from the Rabbitohs is over there. Um, Tim Grant's um, MWZ return. They had a whole heap of losses, but realistically, most of them were backups, aside from, and I say that because they had 15 guys leave the squad, but out of those 15, it was really... Um, Trent Merrin was a big move. He's gone to the Leeds Rhinos, which as a Trent Merrin president of his fan club, I can't believe that he's out of the NRL this early, but we move on. Um, Corey Tudad, CHM, he's gone over the Canary Bankstown Bulldogs to get some minutes. Um, and other than that, it was really just Tyrone Peachy of note who's gone over the Gold Coast Titans. So they did have a few big losses, but 
one of the reasons they lost those players is because they didn't really have enough minutes to go around. Um, so it kind of made sense to trim the squad down. But the first guy for the Penrith Panthers that I want to talk about is their best player, Nathan Cleary. Um, he, he was one of the first players I picked. I had absolutely no hesitation in having him as my alpha playmaker out of my four playmaker spots. He's the number one guy. He's always going to stay there. I'm going to have him for round one. I'm going to keep him to the end. He's 577000 um, For me, that's undervalued and exceptionally good for round one for half of his quality. He scored 62 points a game last year. The years prior, he scored 70 and 66. Now, that tells a big story because he wasn't a 62-point-a-game player last year. He was injury-affected. He didn't goal-kick the entire year. Um, he's much more in line to score between 66 and 70 points, probably closer to 70, um, which is where his goal-kicking um, put him at. When he was goal-kicking, he was in the 70s. And that's just the sort of player that he is. Now, you talk about draws... Um, the, para, the Penrith side start off with Parramatta at home for the first game. So imagine starting off with a ton from Nathan Cleary. That's what you might be looking at. Genuine VC option for the round one game as it is. Then they've got Newcastle, who are going to be improved. Um, Melbourne's a tough game. But then they get the Tigers and the Gold Coast Titans, two teams that I think are going to struggle for the year. So three out of the first five for Nathan Cleary. Uh, are home games at Pepper Stadium, um, and they're also games where he's playing you know, pretty easy opposition for an attacking half and also a goal-kicking half. I can't speak highly enough about Nathan Cleary, Billy, and I'll be honest, I'm absolutely flabbergasted the, the amount of teams I've seen without Nathan Cleary in them. Um, I can change that. Um, <clears throat> I originally didn't have him in my team to start with, but then I went and had a look at the draw and started to rethink, and then I dug into the numbers a little bit. And um, so, like you said, all right, 2018 average 61. Here's the kickers: average when not kicking goals, 46. Average when kicking goals, 74.2. Is he kicking goals this year? Yes. End of research. Opinion: <laughs> Buy. Undervalued by a mile. End of story. Yep, and he's going to be premium points in the halves as well. Do you reckon he's going to be the number one half by the end of the year? Uh, I don't want to answer that just yet because I think um, Sean Johnson, once he finds his feet after the first couple of games at the Sharks, is around probably a much more professional team. He doesn't have to travel every week and he's not in New Zealand in the, playing in the wet mud. He's going to be playing on a dry track. I think that's going to really, really help him do even better. So I am... Um, I reckon you'll see a brand new Johnson this year, but both Cleary and him are average around 76. Yep. No, that's fair enough. Um, to finish off the Nathan Cleary love fest, um, I'm going to throw out his final game stats um, from when he came back from injury. So around, or when he came back from origin and then a rest, I think it was, around 17, around 16 actually, he got injured for a 12. So 16, 17, 18, he was injured. Uh, and then from round 19, he came back and he scored 80 points. Next week, 97 points. Next week, 88 points. Next week, 75. Next week, 74. Next week, 68. He finished with a 38 against the Storm, which was almost entirely base. Um, so you've got one, two, three, four, five, six games there where he's averaged 80s. And he's done it without getting below a 68 score in six games, sorry. So 
it, he's just phenomenal when he's healthy and he's rolling. Um, and I expect the Panthers to do well. So can't do better than selling him that much, Billy. If people don't want to buy him after that, then you know, they're just not Nathan Cleary fans. So let's move on to another gun. Um, this guy's one of your favourites. I know you're going to love talking about him. I can't wait to hear all your stats on Big I love talking about everyone, mate. Well, the Big Billy kick out especially. He, um, he's another one sort of like Fanua where he was a cash cow and then everyone went, oh, hang on. I can't sell this guy. He's actually better than the guns. He um, averaged 61 a game last year in 69 minutes per game. Probably doesn't tell the full story because um, he went through big stretches where he was averaging mid-60s. And probably the only downside of him in 2019 is he's not front-row forward eligible, which was a big plus in 2018. He's only going to be a second-row forward option. I actually look at that as a bit of a positive, though, because I think if he was a front-row forward option, a lot of people would be looking at him. With the plethora of secondary forward options, he's not really being looked at very much. So he could come into the season as a bit of a minor pod um, at his ownership level. Hits the Parramatta Eels first up, and their edge defence has been terrible forever. Um, he, he could score a try straight away against them, and then he's got a couple of other good sides in the first six or seven games that he could score against as well. Tackle breaks, offloads, try scoring, line breaks... Line break assists, he does a bit of it all, um, and he's just an absolute beast. He's in my side at the moment, 570000 happy to pay that for Kikau. Um, if he's getting 80 minutes especially, um, he should be underpriced by six or seven points pretty easily. Uh, yep, concur, mate. I um, had him in from um, right from the beginning. I took him out a couple of times just to try and move things around, but um, kept looking at the draw and his numbers and, and came back to him, mate. So... I'll just move on from where you were. Um, yeah, average 61 uh, last year. Game's actually starting on the edge, average 63. Um, if you uh, include 80-minute games only starting on the left edge, his average jumps to 68, so you're already up seven points there. Um, the other couple of games are at 74 minutes, but he seems to get junk time stats a lot um, right, right at the death. So, um, yeah, like you said, starts the season with Eels, Knights, Storm, Tigers, Titans. That's really nice. Um, uh, he's, but funnily enough, um, his lowest scores of 2018 actually came against those teams. He only averaged uh, 55 against them, um, but that was in 70 minutes, so was skewed a little bit. So he's still going to get 60 at least. Um, scored 87 versus the Eels last year, but he also did have a rubbish game against them as well. Um, caveat there is that uh, Eels absolutely suck defensively on the side that he's playing, so there's a massive tick there for round one. Um, he plays the first buy. He won't be any cheaper. Um, he also seems to have gotten a bit better as the year got on, like you said. Um, the numbers there are actually... Um, he averaged 72 in his last eight games that were 80 minutes um, in the last year. And that run consisted with only one try and one TS. So he's got some massive upside if he just um, gets the 80 minutes on the left on the left-hand side. He's got one year under his belt. Um, my opinion... Um, well, he's pretty much consistent, and he's got a year under his belt with... Um, Competition for his spot's gone, so you know he's going to get 80 minutes. Um, Cleary, Cleary, like we said before, Cleary's healthy now, and also, and um, he also averaged 72 when, he, when, he, when, he, when he's kicking goals. So what I'm saying there look, is, look, if, Cleary, if Cleary's playing, there's points on what to be converted because you know he's going to um, put people away. You'll have um, him and Maloney playing both sides of the field. Defense will be wondering a bit more as to where the, where they're going to go because um, you've got a. Both both guys are both guys are uh, origin origin uh, quality. Um, 
I know he's got a kind of a poor average for poor average versus those first few teams that we're talking about, but it's only a small look- sample. He's only played them once, so I don't even look at that sort of stuff. Like he's only played Para once. Um, that's you know um, maybe he played Titans twice or something, but uh, he, he's a buy. He's a he's a really good buy, and he's going to be um, low ownership as so, well. Save your trade anyway. End of story. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and um, he's he's exciting to watch. Penrith, Penrith has some really exciting super coach players. Like I'm excited looking at Nathan Cleary and Kikau on, on what I can get from those guys, and yeah, put him in your side, guys. You'll thank us later. Other people in your head-to-head comps won't have him, and he'll run all over him. So let's move on to some uh, big balls pods because I've got a couple from the Panthers I want to quickly touch on. Um, on a podcast last year with Wilfred, um, we had a bit of a disagreement. I'm pretty sure on this guy. Uh, I brought up Wanger Blake as a guy that, hang on, this guy's gone under the radar and been scoring 70 points a game instead of win. Um, he might be a buyer, even though he's you know 450k. Um, other people didn't think so, uh, but uh, he went on and he had an exceptional run last year. He's priced at 550 grand, so he's a bit he's a bit expensive. It's going to be a risky move if you're going to spend that on your one or two premium center wings and choose one as Wanger Blake, but. In saying that, um, he averaged 59 points a game and he was actually just just off averaging 60 a game and being an elite company for Centrewing. So take the name away from it. If you actually look at his numbers last year, he actually finished um, in elite Centrewing territory pretty much. Um, and in doing that as well, um, he was a guy that did run away with attacking stats versus the worst teams. So round one again, Parramatta, uh, round four, Tigers, and round five, the Titans. Those three games um, could be anything for Winger Blake. If he if he starts off firing like he was in um, 2018, he could do really, really well. Um, and, Billy, I'm going to throw over to you, but um, I just want to show you the, the sort of run that I'm talking about first. He went on a try-scoring run, um, an attacking run that was as good as any centre wing last year. He actually had... Um, I'm gonna re- I'll just read him out. He came back from an injury layoff. Um, where he was out for a little while, and he hit 59, 91, 73, 82, poor game of 26, which he then backed up with a 79, 66, 59, 85. So that's six, seven, eight, nine games that he came back from to finish off the year, and only one of them was poor, and only one of them was below, you know, he had two 59s in there, so basically only one out of those nine games was below a 60. Um, if it's, yeah, it's just an amazing run that he went on. 68.9 average to be exact. Yeah, he just killed it, didn't he? Yeah, I'm just I don't don't know why I haven't looked at him yet. I haven't I haven't even opened his stats to have a look. But yeah, that run for the end of the year was um, amazing. He um, the only thing that brought him down was his three scores. But before that, 17, 25, and 22, and they were versus some of the worst teams in the comp: Dogs, Cowboys, and the Eels. So not yeah, sure what but to put those... maybe, maybe that maybe they just went other side. But to put those in perspective, um, he was out from round six to round um, 17. So those bad scores were from three months before he went on his good run. So he seemed to have, um, he definitely looked like a different player. Um, it was definitely a tale of two halves of the season for him. I, I actually think that he's one of the better big balls options. Like if you want to go right out there with a the guy that's going to have next to no ownership in your centre wing, that's got strike power. Wanger Blake is probably about as good as you can get um, out of the options that are available. 
Yeah, with that with that draw too. I mean, he's not he's not fearful of anyone. He put two tries and a and a try assist on the storm to finish the year as well. So, yep, he's he's definitely one to think about, guys. If you if you're looking if you've got a solid side, and this is what I normally you know say to people that ask for advice, and they say, look, I want to I want to take a risk on on such and such player, um, and normally I say, well, what does your side look like? Because if you're taking risks on on you know two or three players out of your twenty five. That's a good move. You should do that. That's great. But if you've got 20 pods out of your 25 players, you're just going to get smashed because they're pods for a reason. They're not all going to work out. You can only take some calculated risks. So if you've got a side round one where you haven't taken a chance on many players, you know, Winger Blake probably fits the bill perfectly for some attack. Now, just to play devil's advocate here, mate, I'm not shooting you down. The only thing I'm going to say is um, he had a try or a try assist in pretty much every single one of those games. His clutch attacks went mental. Oh, I did. His base, yep. base, his base is pretty piss poor. Oh, he is. He's got terrible base. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that he's a definite buyer or anything. He's a he's a big balls out there buyer if you want to take a bit of a risk um, because he is a try scorer. He's a genuine attacking weapon. Um, and if you think that that run at the start is going to be good, he, he could put you ahead. Then... Uh, Oh wait! I'll just know. He's already priced at the fifty-one. But is, do you think that'd be worth it? If you're not going to get, if you're not going to get a ton out of him ever. Um. Yeah, I still think it's score, worth score it. Three tries. Sorry, scores three tries. You don't have to score three tries to get it. Well, in that first five weeks, um, I'd be pretty confident that he's going to score a few tries. Um, yeah. But again, it's it's a gamble. It's definitely a gamble. Um, I'm saying it as well because I think that the Panthers. They're going to be a high-scoring team. I think um, price of the 59, mate, you're probably better off uh, finding the extra cash, four points cash to go your mate lateral, I would think. Probably. Um, if, if you do have a maybe a two-center wing approach, um, you know, he might be a good second one. But, yeah, yep. it's a bit of, a, a bit of a, an out-there play. Um, Rookie-wise, yep, rookie I just wanted to touch on... Um, I've just mentioned Egan, the young hooker for, for the Panthers. At the moment, he's projected to be on the bench, um, but other places are saying that he maybe he'll earn the start. If he earns a start, he might only be playing 50 minutes a game, um, but I'm actually watching because if he's starting and playing 50 minutes, I think he's a good second hooker to make some cash. He's 230 grand. He um, averaged 23 points a game last year in only 25 minutes. Um, so I mean, even 45 minutes a game, he's going to go up significantly. Um, he's he's a guy that's been earmarked for a while in the Penrith Panthers ranks as being the hooker of the future. So I think he's got a good shot at starting. And if he does, he only played 25 minutes a game last year. He's going to improve on that. Yeah, I'll just wait and see what happens in trials before I fill any bench spots. But it would be nice if someone uh, that cheap ended up being a, a your reserve nine. But yeah. Hooker's well, such, such a pain. Teal. Yeah, TLG weight only, I think. Right? Yep. Um, now, the last one for the Panthers. Um, my m- mistake, man. Um, I think it's going to be an error to start with Josh Mansell this year. And I'm seeing a fair few people around the traps grabbing him because he is an attractive price. He's under 460000 He does have a good draw. I could see him throwing out a few tries um, against some of this opposition, but... I think everyone's still chasing, you know, that 2016 season and even 2014 season from memory was really good. 
He scored 49 points a game last year, 51 points a game in 2017. He's been a 50 average player. His base has gone down. His, um, his runs have gone down. His offloads have gone down. His try scoring hasn't been great. And his games played over the last four years, uh, 13 games, 13 games, 23 games, 12 games. So uh, I, I just, I'm not feeling it with Josh Mansell this year. Um, he's a guy that I liked two years ago. And I'm not prepared to get back on the bandwagon for round one. I think you might be a bit of a mistake, Billy. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Gus was uh, prepared to let him let him go. What does that tell you? He's um the guy's knees are shot. That's why he's not doing um uh, his work rate isn't exactly the same as before. Um, they're only keeping him because he's been around for a long time. He's a good bloke. Fills a hole. He's got potential there, but. Um, yeah, that base work round is gone, so I don't think there's anything really to talk about that anyone doesn't know, mate. Like, he, his his price at his price versus um, who were we just talking about um, at centre? Um, uh, Blake. Blake, yep. Yeah, I I'd, I'd take Mansell over Blake purely because they both got rubbish base, and that's it's pure luck. That's the only thing I can contribute there. <laughs> I'd, t- I'd take Mama Blake over Mansell. I'm, I'm really down on Mansell this year. Uh, but who knows, these wingers, maybe he'll go in and score a few tries for his owners to start off with and, and we'll have egg on our face again. Um, anyone else in the Penrith side that you wanted to touch on, Billy, before we move on to our final team? Uh, no, mate. All right, that gets, gets us on to Manly. Um, so Manly's side um, have had a, a lot of ins and a few outs. Um, just pulling them up here, they've actually got... A heap of games, but most of them are going to be second-tier games like Brendan Elliott um, and a heap of reserve graders. Probably the main ones of note are going to be uh, young Albert Hopalati coming across. Everyone's hoping that he'll get a, a centre-wing spot. Uh, Katie Nelvey should be starting in the halves, um, and Trent Hodgkinson should be a back, back-up half. Losses-wise, um, Brian Kelly, their starting centre, went over to the Titans. Sean Lane... Um, went over to the Eels. Darcy Lussick is done, and he's gone over to Toronto Wolfpack. Um, Aku Uate has gone on to the Huddersfield Giants as well. So the biggest loss out of all of them, though, Billy, the great man, best utility super coach he's ever seen, Trent Barrett's favourite other son, Lewis Brown, he's retired. <laughs> yeah, mate. But best 14 jersey you've seen going around. What are we ever going to do? without being able to put Lewis Brown in to stink up your team for 14 points and you thought it was a good idea because he was only 190000 and he was a veteran. Just replace him with the Cardi. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good call. Um, all right, so let's have a look at some of Manly's guns. Um, they've got some real good ones to talk about. Turbo and Gerbo are obviously the top of the list. Um, now, let's start off with, with Tom first. I, um, this is another discussion I've been having online quite a bit lately where um, I'm seeing teams which have, you know, Ben Barber and Connor Watson or, or Ben Barber and um, a, even a Matt Moylan or some other strange pod um, fullback and they don't have Teddy or Turbo. And I've said the same advice to every single person. If you're not starting with one of Turbo or Teddy, I think you're behind the eight ball from the very start of Supercoach. I think you just that they were second and third in try scoring um, for 2018, only behind Damien Cook because Cook had an amazing super coach season out of nowhere. Um, 
But basically, Turbo is one of the best players in the game. He averaged 74 points a game last year. Year before, he averaged 76. Year before that, he averaged 65. He's going to be 70s again, no question. He's priced 690000 It didn't matter last year or the year before that Manly were rubbish. He was still everywhere, um, and he was still involved, and he was still throwing up a ton here and there. Um, I'm pretty sure that the biggest score last year out of any player was Turbo's massive score, close to 200 points. Um, yep. he's, he's got a, an okay draw. I wouldn't say that Manly's draw is great. They start off with the Tigers, which isn't bad. Roosters is going to be tough. Um, Warriors should be a pretty crappy team, um, and Souths are going to be pretty good. But that's round two, three, and four game. All of those are at home for Manly. Uh, and then they go away to the Knights, um, Dragons, Raiders, and Bulldogs in a pretty good run between five and eight as far as the teams they're playing. So uh, I've got Teddy myself. If I didn't have Teddy, I'd have Turbo, and that's sort of how I see Trevojevic's value. Yeah, I've got both, mate. Um, uh, if, if you take the, um, the injury game out where he played um, 30 minutes, average jumps to 76 um, his pro- the thing that scares me is that he scored over 110 four times last year. So that's that's some serious vice vice captain or captain potential for a, um, uh, to give you that sort of slingshot early in the season. So um, I, I, I want to play that. And even though he's, um, his draws are a little bit sort of hit and miss, um, whether the Tigers, Roosters, Warriors and Knights, um, three of those are at home. In a, so the Tigers are away, but then he's got three at home. Um, yeah, look, all their games have a massive turnaround. They play um, Saturday and Sunday, so Gerbo's going to get six or seven days rest at least between games. So he, um, hopefully he plays tw- um, 80 minutes and give, uh, is able to give a couple of offloads to his brother. Um, look, the cons are that look, you've got to argue that Tigers are a pretty tough um, opponent early in the season. Then the Chooks will be a tough start, so he might drop in. No, drop a couple of stinker scores there. Um, it's a bit of a pod move to um, take Teddy over Turbo, who, who's got a really great run. Um, he's got a new coach, which might be a bit, a bit of a struggle, but the fact that um, Turbo could score you know, 160 at a drop of a dime, mate, um, I'm too scared to leave him out. Also, I'm having to uh, raise the, the bat with a ton round three versus the Warriors, and I'm going to have both him and, and, and Teddy, mate. Yeah, I just about throw the C on him in round three against the Warriors I'm outright at that point. I think it's a it's a pretty good move, but um, I actually don't have Turbo, um, only because I wasn't going to afford both Garden fullbacks, so I had to choose one. And digging a little bit into it, um, I ended up choosing Teddy over Turbo. Now, that's not to say that Turbo isn't a great option. If you go both of them or you decide Turbo over Teddy, completely fair enough, just make sure you've got one of them, but... My reasons were that um, Teddy's draw is better than Turbo's. They were basically like within a point of each other, so they're going to do similar stuff. I also liked Teddy's upside a little bit more, mainly because um, Teddy's first third of the season was real rough for him. He, it's very, very well known he didn't. He took a bit of time to assimilate to the Roosters, to the game plan and whatever, and he even said that publicly, and then all of a sudden he, um, he really clicked. So that's second half of the season for him. Um, and really, the, his origin series was fantastic as well. Um, he, was, he was going great. So he was actually probably better than Turbo if we get the Teddy um, back half of the season, Teddy versus you know the front half, which we should do now because they're climatised. Um, the final point with Turbo, though, that I noticed, Billy, is 
even though he had some massive scores and he was pretty great, he had more stinkers than what he ever has before. So, um, you know, points that were sort of 40 points and under, he's never had as many of those the last couple of years as what he did last season. And I don't expect Manly to do too great this year. So I think that he's probably got a few lower scores in him than what maybe Tedesco has as well. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, Teddy averaged kind of 80 from around 9 last year, so... Um, like from round ten, so I owned Teddy at the beginning of last year, and, and like you said, he um, just looked like it took a while for him to click. Like he didn't know where to where to where to where to pop up. He was constantly sniffing around, but just never got anything. And then all of a sudden, he started getting those the short balls. You could you could see him in, you could see him in a bit more. You didn't have to scream at the TV saying, "No, where's Teddy? Where's Teddy? Get in there!" So. Um, I think you're a very astute. If you're going to choose between the two, I would go Tedesco, but I have a fear of missing out with regards to our turbo, hence the um, going both of them and going very, very lean in a couple of other areas. Yep, and that's a look, you, you might end up being in the, the best position out of all of us doing that. Um, you could pay off big time, Billy. Um, so, turbo, great option. Um, another great option is his brother, Gerbo. Um, so, Jake Trevojevich. This is going to be a little bit different um, of a discussion because I know that you've got him and I actually don't. So he, he averaged 71 points a game last year, um, 73 points a year before, 66 a year before that. So he's one of the top forwards that you can get. Um, 667K, he's also one of the most expensive, he is the most expensive forward that you can buy as well. Um, I purely have left him out, Billy, because of... Um, his price, um, it basically meant that I could have um, two other premium forwards rather than, say, you know, Jake and a, a mid um, forward. So instead of Jake and like a 450k mid, um, it made me able to afford Kikau um, and also a, another gun forward like a Nathan Brown or, or one of these other guys. So I, I preferred to go depth. I've, I've really stacked my second row. Um, I think I've got like five guns in my second row at the moment. And I couldn't do that build if I had um, Turbo. So I know at some points last year, he actually dropped a bit. Um, he did get through a lot of work, but he also got um, some games where he was heavily penalised too, giving away two or three penalties a game and he even got a couple of sin bins. Um, so I was hoping uh, that he was maybe going to start a little bit slower and drop a, a hundred grand or so for me to get him in later on. Yeah, that's what I was hoping last year too, and it, it was working. But then he just dropped a game where he had a couple of assists or a try or something. So, <laughs> um, yeah, look, he averaged seventy-two last year, um, but without a, without a try, he averaged sixty-one. But unfortunately, he pumped sort of seven of those, so it kind of kept propping him up. Um, he's a constant danger, especially with his, with his brother around. So, um, if you're going to buy sort of Teddy, I'd kind of think about supplementing with Gerbo because if Teddy's going to score big, you know who's going to be giving it to him sort of half the time. Um, so he may as well benefit from the, the, the assist as well. Turbo, not um, Teddy, you mean? Yeah, sorry. Yep. Um, like I said before, all games are on a Saturday or a Sunday, so he has a decent six-day turnaround, so he's got that rest and recovery time. Um, he's not really a pod butt, so you're pretty much going to be crowd surfing with him. Um, the... The cons are he doesn't really have any sort of massive upside. He's not the, he's not the type of guy who's going to score 130. He's going to give you either 60 or 
60 or 60 or 90, 60 or 90. So if, if you don't have him, he's not really, it's not going to really be a massive issue. Um, I've had a rethink um, over the last couple of days and I looked at Crichton's stats from 2017 and the fact that he was just a, a, um, a consistent decoy runner last year and he scored one, I think two tries or something the, the entire year as opposed to Jerbo 7 and he's now going to be running off Kronk. I'm, I'm more con- more concerned about not owning Crichton than I am sort of uh, Jerbo, so I've kind of dumped him for Jerbo at the moment, mate. That's a really so dump, dump, dump Jerbo for Crichton. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I actually did it. I told a fib before. I um, I originally um, dumped Jer- didn't get Jerbo because I wanted the depth in my team, and then I ended up dumping um, Cook to get me um, Angus Crichton. So. I guess you can look at it like I have chosen Angus Crichton over over Gerbo as well, um, and I'm really happy with Crichton. Um, looking Sorry. at yeah, I, uh, Crichton has a work rate right up there like Gerbo does, but he also has the attack, and he's going to be playing in a better team. So I, I really like Crichton as an alternative. He's also cheaper than Gerbo. Um, not only Gerbo last year as well. I was constantly on Gerbo watch, so I was well aware of his stats. And I can tell you that as, an, as a non-owner at the start, I was happier more often than I was sad not owning him because, you know, he, he busted out 115 points in round two last year and had 66 and 73. But then he went on exactly the type of run that I was hoping he would go on because, you know, 40% of super coaches own him. And he scored 51, 62, 44, 62... And then he had a couple of good scores, 88 and 114. But that sort of four or five game run of 60s, 40s and 50s, he replicated that again later in the season. Um, and, you know, 56s and 65s and 60s, they're good scores. But when you're paying almost 700 grand for someone, it's not that good a score, not for the money that you pay. You can get a, yeah. you know, the early 60s out of a, a Nathan Brown that we spoke about, and he's over $100,000 less. You know, so... Yeah. I, I'm just thinking I'm just going to leave him out. Yeah, 100%. And just to go back on that crime thing, mate, I just pulled him up really quickly. Um, when he when he played um, um, off a half, he was actually giving him the ball. Mate, he averaged 80.9 in 80-minute in games to the Rabbits when he was actually getting the ball. So yeah. last year was just an anomaly where he just got nothing. Um, Cronk won't be the same, mate. I would much rather take that potential 80 over Jervo's 72, which is what he's already priced at. Yeah, and Jervo looks like he's going to be you know, 50% owned at this point, looking at some of the ownerships at the moment that will fluctuate. So it, it could end up being a fantastic move, a really good pod move to not own Jervo um, and go for other players. Back row is probably the most stacked position in Supercoach. Um, there's so many back rowers for 2019. It's, just, it's a perfect storm to just sort of pray that Jervo you know, averages sort of 58, 60 points to start off with. I reckon if you were going to drop Jerbo, um, for I reckon the equivalent would probably be Respawn, 80 minute kicking, edgy, probably score the same. Yeah, he's another good comparison. Um, but let's let's move on because I feel like we're all Trebojevich out. Um, yeah. uh, I'm just going to touch on another gun of there real quickly, but I'm not going to go into it too much. Um, they're running short on time a little bit. Marty Tapao, um, he was one of the premium front row forwards last year. He uh, is 600k. There isn't very many good forwards um, to put in your front row at the moment. He averaged 65 points a game last year, exactly the same as 2017. 
61 and 58 the two years prior. So he has been pretty consistent. Um, his minutes were lower than what they have been for three years at 51 minutes a game. Um, I'm not going to get him, but I'll admit it that I, I did look at him because front row forward is so scarce. Um, would you would you be happy to get Marty Sapao as your number one prop forward, or would you prefer to grab some of the other guys? No, no way. No. Um, he's always been that type of guy. He, he could play sort of 45, 50 minutes and uh, score 120. Um, but I, I just don't want a guy who I don't know how many minutes he's going to play. Um, yeah, look, he's... You, you never know. A, you don't know how many minutes he's going to play. B, you don't know uh, how many offloads he's going to play, throw. Three, you don't know when he's going to punch someone in the head from behind and get suspended for four games. He's, he's just that unknown. And, and just looking at the, that 2017 numbers, 70, 84, 47, 70, 85, 80, 52, 42, 42. There's, there's nothing, there's no consistent sort of 90 or 100 that, that would really warrant getting him in just yet yeah probably just best off just paying for a toll and get, get your 60 points and spend the money elsewhere yep I'm not going to be um, I'm not going to be going near him mainly because of the minutes as well um, and also he started off pretty slow last year had a good score up front against Newcastle um, but then he had 62 52 56 47 63 37 um, he actually really went on fire towards the middle of the season when he went better but yeah, not worth it. Um, let's move on to a, um, a bit of a smoky that might step up. Um, who's also a gun in his own right. Daly Cherry Evans had a, had a pretty good year last year. Um, he took over the goal kicking from Dylan Walker, and I think that was, that was the key. When he got the goal kicking, he really kicked on. He averaged 62 points a game for the season, uh, but that's probably about four points below where he really was, um, if you take into account the goal kicking all year. Um, we spoke about their draw being reasonable in that sort of first eight games. They play probably half the teams in that eight that are pretty bad. Um, he's 577k, Billy, so he's exactly the same price as Cleary. Obviously, you'll get Cleary instead of him, but he did average 60s. He was mid-60s with the goal-kicking. He's obviously a goal-kicking half. Could you see him as you know, your second half next to Cleary? Uh, I wouldn't because I just don't want to pay that much for for an unknown. Um, uh, I've never really been a fan, fan of him. I've, I've had him in the past and he's just burnt me brutally. Um, I buy him and he scores 35 and then I don't play him for three weeks and he scores 140. So um, priced at 62, averaged 65.8 when he was kicking goals. There's no real upside there. Plays for Manly. Couple of big tons, 123, 133, but some stinkers as well, 23, 40, 41. I think he just balances out in the end. Um, beginning of last year, he was only averaging 60 up until round 10 anyway. So um, average 56 on the lap until round 15. No, forget him. Yeah, I, I'm not going to completely disagree, but um, I think that he's maybe an option. Um, one of the things with DCE is um, something that we haven't actually spoken about is the new scoring stat, the um, try contribution in place of the try assist. Now, we haven't spoken about it yet, probably should have, um, definitely with um, regards to Cleary and probably Turbo as well, but um, definitely for halves, I think it's going to really uptick a few of them. Um, 
DCE is pretty much involved in just about every try scoring opportunity. There was a heap of times where he didn't get a try assist and he didn't get a last touch, but he certainly would have gotten a try contribution based on how it looks like they're going to be looking at that. Nathan Cleary's going to get a ton of those as well that we spoke about, but I actually reckon that DCE is an easy 65-point-per-game guy, um, maybe a 67-68 based on some of his form last year. So I could see him as being a bit of a, a bit of a smoky, um, certainly not a not a definite, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone who wants to take a punt and go for the option. Yeah, I know what you're saying, especially with that um, extra four points going around. I know a lot of people don't like it. I kind of do, but because if you do your research um, and your your three or four blokes that you select actually contribute to the try, but you know, some some more right center decides to throw throw it out, throw it out the back right at the last minute instead of going himself through a wide gap and he gets the try assist and LBA instead. <laughs> kind of, uh, evens that evens it out a little a little bit, but I can see. I can see why people are upset, but I can see also see how it advantages maybe someone like DC as well. Yeah, and there's uh, we're probably going to do another podcast all together before the season on the new stat and have a bit of a deep down look at it. But I can tell you that DC um, would have definitely picked up a couple of extra points a game um, just from the new well, statistics. I think, I think every six and seven will make. Yeah, there'll be there'll be good scoring. It's a pity that we're going to have so many good halves to choose from. Um, or, I mean, rookie halves, I should say. Um, but let's move along. Um, last uh, last one to talk about for Manly, for me, really. The Big Balls pod um, is a guy who I don't think is a great player, and I don't think he's a great super coach player, but he's a guy that's priced like he could be. Um, pretty good value. Dylan Walker, um, he was out for a lot of um, games last year. He only played the 14, um, and he only averaged 34 points a game, and that's where I see the value. Not many people are going to pick him, and I understand why, but he's only $313,000. That is very cheap, um, good mid-range price. It's the cheapest that he's ever been in Supercoach. His score last year was 34 a game. That is significantly below what he did the three years prior. He had scored 56 a game, 45 a game, 52 a game the three years prior to 2018. Even if he only um, goes up to you know 42 points, an extra eight points, that's a 30% increase on his scoring, um, and that's going to be a decent increase on his price to get to 100 grand. The upside is that he could get even towards 50 points because um, he's done that pretty easily two out of the last four seasons. Um, if you get towards 50 points, you're looking at maybe 150 even 200k, depending on where he falls. So I actually saw him as a bit of a um, a decent play for the centre wing. There isn't many guys around that 300k mark that has his upside um, and his pedigree from the prior seasons. That's the only reason I was looking at him. Um, am I completely crazy, Billy, or am I maybe on something with, with Dylan Walker? <laughs> I think you're a little bit crazy, dude. I um, I remember having a look at him for... Um, actually, no, I wasn't having a look at him at all. I just remember um, being in some head-to-head comp um, a couple of years ago and um, he scored 137 against against me, and I lost a round. Then I thought, you know what? He scored a 73 the week before in a ton, so there were a couple of weeks before that, kicking goals. I might have get him in for the bye coverage, and uh, then he scored 14 <laughs> and, and 26 and 16 and 21. Oh, he had a very poor year last year. 
And then, I, uh, this was the year before, and then I promised I'd never buy him again, and last year was justified. And But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be going back there, mate. He's just one of those players, which I think is uh, past his prime. You, you're probably looking at uh, a Mansour-type player and living in the past a bit. Yeah, well, uh, I've agreed with you most of the night, so this is a good time to disagree. I'm not looking at him for his past performances. I'm just looking at him from a value point of view. Um, you know, look, I don't, I don't, I don't expect to really be playing him much at all. Um, aside from the first few rounds, he's really just there to make money. He's only three hundred grand. Um, so, I mean, good comparison point. Mansour is one hundred twenty thousand dollars more expensive than what than what Dylan Walker is. I would rather yeah, spend. What? Well, sorry, I made a big mistake there. Mansour is one hundred fifty thousand dollars more expensive than Dylan Walker is. I would much rather purchase Dylan Walker. And spend 150 grand somewhere else, than purchase Mansell, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, true, mate. I suppose the purpose of this pod is to um, chat about the pros and cons of every of every player, not to not to uh, convince everyone to have the same team as us. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I I'm just looking at him as a um, as a bit of a smoky um, money maker. Um, might not work out, but if you don't want to spend money on your centre wing at all. Um, and you're not really investing much in there and it's mainly rookies and you're going to have two mids instead of one gun. Walker and Capewell might be your two mids to get you through the first few rounds and try and get some money. That might be a, a different type of team build to the one or two guns. Um, but other... Aaron Gray, if you're a bigger tight ass like me. Well, Aaron Gray will, Gray will get to in the, uh, the Cronulla point, but mate, he's, he's basically rookie priced. He's, he's a rookie. He's a rookie. Um... Speaking of rookies, that's the final thing for Manly. Albert Coppolati is the only real rookie option for them. Um, hopefully, he gets a win spot. Um, I'm going to say, to me, this is the first chance out of all four teams that we've been able to talk about centre-wing rookies. If you get a centre-wing rookie named a start, I reckon that you've basically got to put him in. Um, that's, that's the one position for a rookie where I think you pretty much have to get him. If you get a rookie forward... Um, even a rookie half, you know, you can maybe let some of them go. But when you've got so many spots in your centre wing and with how easily they can go up um, in price from scoring tries. Yeah, um, I think um, uh, Ruben Garrick, I think um, Wacko mentioned he's been training at centre. He's probably in the line for starting centre spot at the moment. So he's 164k, just FY. Team trial and team this Tuesday watch. Yeah, if he gets a spot, that would be great and have to consider him as well. He, um, a lot of the um, teams that got put out, he wasn't actually in there for the centre spots. They had um, Moses Suley and Dylan Walker in there, but um, Moses Suley could easily get kicked out. And yeah, and there was also talk of Hoppawade sort of coming in later in the season too. Yeah, that would be annoying. We, we want as many centre um, rookies as we can get this year. All right, well, that'll do it, guys. Um, that's our... Team previews for four of the teams out of the way. Um, our next one will actually be having Wilfred, our past champion, on, and we'll be getting VK on as well um, in a couple of pods' time as well. Another former winner to give some insights and previews on four teams too. But that was fun for the first one back, Billy. Yeah, mate, you are your guests only get better from here. <laughs> well, um, thanks for coming on board, mate, um, and I'll catch you later. Good luck with the team. Thanks, brother. You too, buddy. All right, guys. So you can uh, download us the same as last year or stream us on SoundCloud. Um, just search for NRL Supercoach All-Stars. 
otherwise will be available on iTunes for you to download as well. Uh, and we'll also be sharing around on the Facebook pages as normal, but please follow us on Twitter too because you'll get the latest updates and when the pods are coming out and everything. Uh, you can follow us at NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And uh, follow us on there, give us a plug, um, certainly share it around, let your friends and stuff know about it, um, and hopefully you enjoy it. But we'll be back again uh, next week with a new one with four new teams. Until then, good luck making your round one sides, guys. And uh, thanks for listening again for 2019.